0: Are you a small business owner? Or someone who has a real interest in building your own brand? Then deep dive into the UP Consulting Group's Business Building Bootcamp, the annual convention and training camp for entrepreneurial spirits. Join us this March 5 and 6 to discover
1: how you can unlock your business potential.
0: Based on the Youngblood column of the Philippine Daily Inquirer, this is the Young Blood Podcast. Stories written by the Filipino youth that inform, empower, and inspire.
1: I'm your host, Leah Angela Shoko. Does your privilege hold you back from moving forward? Are you bothered by the fact that many families out there can hardly make both ends meet? Troubled to see college students cling to a knife's edge in exchange for school funds because of COVID-19? If the answer is yes, I bet you can relate to this week's essay written by Rebo Aguirre entitled, Privilege and the Pandemic.
0: As I waited in line to pay for a loaf of bread and four packs of instant noodles, I couldn't help but think of those who can barely buy a kilo of rice or maybe half a dozen eggs. I looked around and saw grocery carts filled with the week's sustenance. I looked at people's eyes and mostly saw privilege as I was inside an upscale grocery store. Then, it hit me. As soon as the provincial government of Negros Occidental and the local government of Bacolod City pronounced a four-day timeout weekend, I started to think of a grocery list enough for the set number of days. I wanted to make sure I had enough to get by. I also wanted to make sure I won't go beyond enough. Checking my kitchen counter made me realize I only needed to buy a few more. A few more is what I need to reach enough. I wonder if some people share the same level of need I have. Half of me wonders the other way. What about those who are barely near enough? What about those who have nothing but desperate pleas and woe? What about those who have lost all specks of hope and faith? What about those who have lost the battle fighting the war? Sometimes my privilege holds me back from moving forward. It bothers me to know how I am doing my best to thrive in these trying times, yet many families out there can hardly make both ends meet. It pains my heart to see jeepney drivers resorting to begging for alms on the streets, as well as small-scale entrepreneurs shutting down their businesses. It troubles me to see college students clinging to a knife's edge on the internet in exchange for school funds. It hurts my soul to know that the loved ones of some COVID-19 patients are left unaware of their demise for days. When you have opened your eyes to reality, it seems closing them is a sin. When you have cried the cries... When you have opened your eyes to reality, It seems closing them is a sin. When you have heard the cries of people, covering your ears would seem insensitive. You can't unsee poverty, suffering, and affliction when you have seen them. On the other hand, you can't deny the existence of inequity and injustice just because you haven't experienced them. You can't deny the existence of harsh realities just because these realities don't resemble yours. What provide a ray of light and a beam of hope into my life at the moment are charitable people who have gone past their privileges to reach out and initiate mobility. I see random acts of kindness and generosity from strangers on the internet. I see organizations, modest or established, selflessly empowering the last, the lost, and the least. Above all, I appreciate privileged people who have built accessible bridges instead of towering walls. At least, humanity is not failing. It is still thriving in murky waters. Sometimes I begin to wonder what the future holds for humanity. There is an end to civilizations. Who would have thought of the Roman Empire crumbling to ruins, and all other empires that have faced oblivion? I would never wish for our existence to be wiped out because of an unseen and unforeseen virus. I would never envision a future where a cough or a swab would define a person. I would never hope for medical facilities to shut their doors and declare full capacity. Although this is happening right now. I would never want to see frontliners scarred for life. I know the sun's fuel is enough to sustain 5 billion years of human existence. This fact alone is a silver lining. The world has weathered cholera, Spanish flu yellow fever, and other pandemics that had seemed hopeless then. The world is yet to conquer the arduous fight against COVID-19, but I hope I would still be there when the battle is over. As I waited for my turn to pay at the cashier, I thought of how the weight of injustice and poverty was outweighing the heaviness of the laptop and books inside my backpack. I also knew that my load could never compare to the struggles many other people carry on their shoulders. As I headed home, I noticed the glow of the golden hour. Is the sun setting down on us? Are we fading into dusk?
1: Reba's essay was published last September 8, 2020. Today, he joins me as we talk about his work the nonprofits and initiatives he's working with, and his message to those privileged enough to lend a helping hand to the less fortunate ones of our society. Sir Rebo, thank you for coming on the Youngblood podcast. How are you?
0: Hello, Leah. Thank you for inviting me here. I'm doing fine. I'm doing well. And it's actually a great day.
1: Thank you for coming in. I'm so happy to have you on the show. By the way, for our listeners, I'm really excited for this because Sir Rebo was my teacher when I was in high school. So although he wasn't my subject teacher, we were able to work together on school paper projects, from releasing publications, and from working on other initiatives involving the student writers of our school. So I'm really happy to have him on the show. Super thank you again. I'm honored as well, yeah. The past few months before your publication, you were messaging me about where to send, and also I know that you've been in touch with other published writers. And so I know that you've had this goal to be published and I know how hard you worked to get this done. So I want to know, what was your reaction when you actually found out that your essay was published on the Youngblood column?
0: Oh, it was an interesting day, Leah. It was September 8th. I was waiting for my 8 a.m. class when my co-teacher sent me a message that my essay got published. And out of disbelief and excitement, I went to my co-teacher's half jumping because I could not contain my emotions. I seriously thought my essay had no chance to get published because it was already 2 weeks since I submitted. But beyond that, I'm happy to have my essay published because I wanted its message and relevance you know, to reach more people. It was a happy day, September
1: 8th. what inspired you to write the essay?
0: It's actually an interesting uh, side story if we call it, no. I was in a grocery store to buy enough food for the time out or lockdown weekend that the government of Macaulod announced. And the idea of having oh. enough privileges, you know, while many people out there, have actually uh, struck me. I owe that feeling to me being a highly sensitive person, I guess. And uh, I easily get affected by news around me, such as jeepney drivers resorting to begging on the streets, college students cling to a knife's edge on twitter which is really alarming and workers who got laid off because of the pandemic and many more uh, uh, and aside from that leah as, as a writer i got uh i got my inspirations before in the past from you know simple things or even random thoughts if i see things that would catch my interest while walking, I would eventually make something out of it. And so uh, when I was in the grocery store, I thought of this idea, I thought of the entire idea, and I just wanted to translate it into paper, and so I did, and yeah.
1: Yes, and what a gem you've made from that experience. I mean, um. Because right now, in this time and age when everything seems to be on hold, like obviously the COVID-19 pandemic has really showed everyone, privileged and not, that life is short and that we can't really make plans, right? And some people feel like that negativity that COVID-19 brought caused them this existential stupor. But for you, you have this lightness within you, you have this drive to create, even in these times when everything just seems hopeless, and you turn something that seems negative into something positive, positive. and I just really want to commend you on that. And another thing that I really find interesting about your answer to so my, my second question was that you're sensitive. Well, have you always been that kind of sensitive writer who's always hyper-aware of things, trying to... Nail something down on paper as soon as you experience that thing, as, as soon as you see that thing, as soon as you feel that thing, you try to put it down as soon as you can.
0: Well, I believe uh, this has something to do with my upbringing as a child. My parents would expose us to various realities in life like poverty. And as a child, I never fully understood what my parents wanted to convey, but it sure made me understand that not all are granted enough privileges in life. And as I grew up, I understood how a lack of opportunities and privileges, you know, could hamper one's dreams and worst break them. I realized how poverty and inequality could crush a person's dream and eventually limit whatever greatness they could achieve had opportunities met their paths. And in addition, uh, my mom has greatly influenced this trait I have, you know, being highly sensitive since uh, she would Tell us stories of how she struggled with poverty back then, and uh, my mom's life story really uh, played a huge part in my upbringing, and my uh, personality, and uh, I believe as writers, you no, know, we can't separate our personal lives with what we're writing. The friends that I entrust my essays, no, my write-ups, they would feel. Uh, they would give. Uh, they would have an an idea of what my life is because it shows in my writing, Leah. Uh, my, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I write something, it always reveals something about me. And so I believe uh, it's one trait that a writer should consider. There's actually a quote, Leah, from I got this from the recent Oscars. Uh, it's from the director of at the Parasite, the more, the more personal something is, it's, the, it's more creative. So I really uh, try my best to make my write-ups very personal.
1: Aside from trying to inject your personality in your essay, in a way you tried putting yourself out of your consciousness and trying to put yourself in other less privileged people's shoes. So I'm interested in your process of doing that. What was your process of writing your essay? What styles or approaches did you use to come up with privilege in the pandemic?
0: More into my writing style, I, you know, my my essay included personal narratives and factual recounts. As a writer, I find it effective and entertaining to give my write-ups, you know, some personal touches like a random event or a memorable experience. Uh, I actually started and ended my essay with a personal narrative. You know, the introduction was a narrative of me lining up to the cashier, and the ending was also a narrative of me walking home while witnessing the fading glow of the sunset. And uh, on the other hand, as a reader myself, I know that it catches my interest whenever writers allow readers to get glimpses or snippets of their lives. It's as if they have seen things through the lens of the writer. And uh, I also included factual recounts, like uh, what you mentioned, Leah, uh, cheapney drivers resorting to begging. Uh, I included these factual recounts to make my essay effective and, and substantial and to support the insights that I have uh, included in the essay. And uh, I'm sure you noticed that uh, I made my research about previous pandemics and uh, I even went as far as uh, civilizations, facts about history, and even the lifespan of the sun. And uh, I tried my best to inject reality in my essay as I wanted uh, its essence to really thrive to make people realize and uh, to make people realize that they have to open their hearts and eyes to the harsh realities of life.
1: And I want to cite specific sentences that you included in your essay that I really want more clarification on. And if you could, bring us the story behind the sentence. So the first one that I have in mind is in the second paragraph. It says, Sometimes my privilege holds me back from moving forward. It bothers me to know how I am doing my best to thrive in these trying times, yet many families out there can hardly make both ends meet. So what exactly do you mean by sometimes my privilege holds me back from moving forward? Is this some kind of guilt that you feel because you have so much more? Um, or is it something else?
0: Okay, I agree with you know the guilt. Uh, this actually uh, stemmed from my quarantine life back in April and May. Um, I felt, privilege enough to have a home, to have a family that would take care of me, take care of my needs, I was privileged enough to enjoy internet connection, to think that internet connection <laughs> is a privilege, and and uh, it's a need, right? Uh, it's a need nowadays, right? And uh, It is. And uh, I would feel guilty to have been enjoying these privileges. And uh, I remember one time in March, my friends and I went around the city. We had this small charity drive where we gave out uh, relief packs to uh, pedicab drivers and fisher folks in our city. And uh, I felt uh, I felt grateful, but at the same time, uh, sad or. Uh, Deeply affected, because uh, grateful because we were able to give back to those who could barely, you know, provide for themselves. But uh, I got affected on the other uh, on the other hand because of uh, probably uh, the luck or the privileges that I uh, were experiencing. I mean, it's not my fault that. I am blessed with the family with uh, um I don't really consider our family well off but uh we have enough to get by but uh you know we, we can't really feel uh we can't really prevent ourselves from feeling bad or feeling sorry for the the uh unfortunate circumstances other people have in life and uh, I know it's not our fault. No, it's in psychology, makes my my psychology teachers would tell us before to not feel sorry for you know the, the misfortunes of other people. I can't uh, help myself but feel uh, disheartened and sad because of these harsh realities and I really want to do something about this, not just uh, linger with this guilt, with this uh, sadness. I want to you know, transform or channel these guilt feelings into something transformative, like uh, reaching out to people, uh, connecting with my friends and with other uh, people or sectors who could, you know, probably donate something for our uh, charity drives. And uh, you know, it's not enough to have all of these feelings. Now, it's not enough that you are feeling. Uh, Something you have to do something about it, and yeah, I would. I didn't stop at acknowledging these guilt feelings, but uh, I did my best to move forward and you know do something about it. Yes, that's
1: all. Yes, and that's such a very noble thing to do. Thank you so much for that. And it's interesting that you said something about why your psychology teacher told you not to care because it's not your fault. I think it's inherent for us humans to care. In the States, okay, we, we're not in the States right now, but even Filipinos, other nationalities, when that Black Lives Matter campaign boomed in the States, everybody all around the world was in solidarity with the Black community. You don't have to be Black to understand them. You care for them because you're human. That You mentioned Um, donating and connecting with people who have organizations and people who have the means to donate. So if you may, could you share more about that?
0: It's actually an initiative uh, created or formed by my good friend. And then she tapped us and she asked for our help. And then we started to, you know, do or make some noise over social media where we posted uh, what we wanted to achieve, and then, and then little by little help came in the form of monetary uh, help. Some would even, and there was actually a friend of ours who, who donated face masks. Not it's very kind of her, and uh, yes, uh, we went around the city to look for pedicab drivers and to give the the relief packs that we prepared with the help of those kind-hearted people who donated. Yes.
1: Wow. So that's even braver because March was the first month when everything was locked down. Yeah, but you went out of your way. Wow, that's such a very risky move. But for you, you went on that yeah. very first month, so that's very brave. What was it like? Did you feel any conflicting emotion?
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember, uh, you know, that feeling of That Tagalog word prening that feeling of pruning you get <laughs> when you go outside. Yeah, and I, aside from being a sensitive person, I'm also quite an overthinker, that's why I felt. You know, I felt those, and and actually very interesting. Uh, we were sort of time pressured at that time because I think there were only two days before the start of the lockdown in the city, and so. We uh, the did our,
1: community quarantine. Yeah,
0: we did our best to finish repacking all of what we have, and then just to make sure that we would make it in time before you know the. The lockdown or the enhanced quarantine. So, yeah, my friends and I, we we were kind of cramming like a day before a day before the uh the actual day where we went around and but we were fortunate enough to have uh other people who were there were volunteers to help us with the repacking and uh, we also coordinated with uh, uh, some local sectors not to coordinate with our target uh, beneficiaries and yeah we weren't alone in that journey. We were blessed enough to be you know guided by our family members, our friends and the local sectors yes.
1: So that's good of you so brave of you also to do that I mean I couldn't imagine making something last minute amidst all the chaos amidst all the quote-unquote running feelings so kudos again to you wow that's something I really admire of you and of all of the other people who are really risking their lives for others so thank you for that Another line that I found very interesting in your essay is in the last paragraph, actually. It states I know the sun's fuel is enough to sustain five billion years of human existence. This fact alone is a silver lining. The world has weathered cholera, Spanish flu, yellow fever, and other pandemics that had seemed hopeless then. These are just out of the main topic of your essay. I mean, there's a danger in including very far topics and trying to connect them to what you're trying to say, especially if you're writing a personal essay, like I said. Because what he wrote about is about privilege in the pandemic, and here you are including scientific facts about the sun, about yeah. civilizations, about Roman empires. So that's very interesting. And yet, you still didn't sway from that focus on finding the silver lining amidst the economic gap in these times we're in that's been highlighted by COVID. So can you tell us more about these lines and you know something um that would hopefully enlighten writers about this specific technique?
0: Okay, well uh to be honest, to be completely honest, halfway through the essay I, you know, was having a hard time. Uh, finishing the essay, and so i thought of i thought of random top or i you know random things that you know might might uh spice up this essay and so I began to think of the previous pandemics the previous you know tribulations that have that have really tested the world in the past and so i've thought of including uh or citing these uh, hard facts, you know, and, you know, just a way to let people realize that the world has experienced a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. and that this pandemic isn't the worst thing that has happened to us. And I don't want the readers to focus on, you know, the past, really. I want them to to uh, have that uh, hope that uh, if the world survived the previous pandemics, then we could probably survive this one. And uh, it's actually, you know, a silver lining. And uh, and on that note, I want to uh, mention how I... It's actually a silly thing to do, but I, enj- uh, I mentioned about the sun's uh, lifespan, yeah. You know, because um, in this life of uncertainty, I've thought of, you know, looking for something that could, you know, uh, that could last for a longer period of time. And that is no other than the sun's life because, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a huge ball of fire. And then I'm pretty sure that it would take us a lot of lifetimes before you know the sun runs out of fuel, and so I I tried to insert that I tried to uh, highlight that just to give people hope that it's not yet the end of the world, <laughs> even though a lot of civilizations predicted that the world could have ended a long time ago. But I just want to give people hope that it's not yet the end of the world. Although life Mm -hmm. is short, life is short. I I agree on that. However, uh, a lot will still happen. Okay, the possibilities are endless, and you know, if people get disheartened by the news, by terrible news about COVID nineteen, I think uh, this fact alone, you know, the son's life alone is quite a reminder. You know, a silly reminder that uh, a lot can still happen. And let's hope for the best.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting that you really use the sun because there's this quote that I've been seeing a couple of times online. And it says, Be like the sun, always shining, slowly, brightly, always. You know, like even if it will disappear for the night, it will be still up again the next day, no matter what. Another question that I have about your writing is your reason why you used you a lot, as in why you? Because you mentioned you a couple of times, like in the last few paragraphs, you mentioned that when you've opened your eyes to reality, it seems closing them is a sin. When you have heard cries of people, covering your ears would seem insensitive. You can't unsee poverty. You can't deny the existence of harsh realities, etc. And there's a danger in quickly moving from the I, you, we or us you know the, the switch in pronouns when you're writing a personal essay because a reader or an intelligent reader I like to think would think that oh you think that i'm like that you think that i'm like you so what was it like what was your reason for making this transition of pronouns
0: uh, i realized the danger of of that switch of pronouns. I, I've even warned my students about that. However, I, I really want to connect to the readers on a more personal level. That's why I mentioned it there. When you have opened your eyes to reality, when you have heard uh, the cries of poverty, I think I mentioned it there. I want to change the level into uh, more personal, more rooted to to you know something that I could connect to the readers to on a more personal level. Uh, it's like I'm touching maybe their conscience or their soul, but I'm not trying to be uh, righteous. No, I don't want that to happen. Uh, I just want. Uh, I just want to open their hearts, and uh, I believe I've done such because I have uh, made those sentences more uh, personal, yes.
1: I see, okay. So you're like trying to really converse in a sense and not just do a monologue? Yes. Okay. Okay. Another line, last line. (laughs) I'm going to stop asking you about your techniques already. This is going to be the last. You said something right after the sun, the romance, civilization, you know, all those scientific facts that really, to me, sounded contradicting to those previous sentences. From the previous sentences that seemed hopeful, that seemed positive, you ended that paragraph with, a statement that goes The world is yet to conquer the arduous fight against COVID nineteen, but I hope I would still be there when the battle is over. <laughs> what do you mean by that? It sounds like you feel like it's decades or centuries away when the cure will be found.
0: Okay, uh, With all honesty, I just wanted, you know, to add a comical effect and, you know, probably crack up some joke. But uh but on a more deeper level. I agree when people say that life is short, and uh, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, it would take a lot of years before the cure to be discovered. I just, uh, I think I wanted to point out that indeed life is short and we are in, you know, tough times. And when we say life is full of possibilities, it's possible that, you know, you You might, uh, it's possible that maybe your time would be done very soon. And it's also possible that you might live a little longer. So yeah, I just wanted to convey that uh, idea of uh, the possibilities that we will be facing the possibilities are really endless and one of those is life is short. Yes.
1: I see. And obviously COVID-19 is just shoving that in our faces. Life is short, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think you acted so well upon it instead of being this kind of person who was hindered by the negativity. You know, you didn't just slump or fall into this existential stupor like I said earlier, but instead you acted upon it like you started a Facebook blog. Yeah. You started a Facebook page, right? A heartbeat yeah. away. Ooh. Listeners, if you can please follow. I mean it's such a great place. Positive vibes all the way. <laughs> and you you again, you wrote this essay. So is positivity or bringing hope to other people the main reason why you submitted this to Youngblood? To reach more people, to reach millions of Filipino readers? Or is it something else?
0: Okay. Uh, I was inspired by a friend I met in a book exchange community on Facebook. And she also wrote, uh, she also wrote an essay that got published in the Youngblood, and she was also one of uh, the featured guests here, Rachel. So hello, Rachel, if you're listening, I owe this to you. <laughs> and uh, going back, no, uh, and in that online community, uh, you know, the, the holiday book exchange, uh, I was able to purchase a book that contained essays published in Youngblood. And I was able to read through the essays that were beautifully written by writers of all walks of life across the country and this has inspired me to push my luck and give my essay a shot at getting published on a platform like this that could eventually reach a lot of readers so it actually started as a as a silly dream as a hopeful dream and then came the process of writing and then the waiting for it to be published and then finally uh it got published and it's like looking back it's actually it's actually a good experience, a memorable experience that I would you know, treasure for the rest of my life.
1: It is. It is for many people. It is for me, I can say that for sure. And it's interesting that you mentioned about this being a dream and that the process was very memorable. I mean, did you spend sleepless nights writing the essay? Did you reach out to strangers asking about how they got published? I mean, what was it like for you?
0: Okay. Before I wrote the essay, uh, I reached out to Rachel, and then you know she helped me, and uh, I mean she gave me insights on how to you know uh, write an essay the Inquirer way, you know the, the Young Blood way. And then this was actually the second essay that I submitted to Young Blood, and uh, and uh, Rachel gave me an advice that. You know, if you really want your essay to be published, it has to be, you know, relevant to what's happening in society. And then and then, you know, I've thought of the idea, the the privilege the privileges amidst the pandemic. And well, uh, I actually just wrote it in one sitting. Uh I think I started writing it uh at around Seven in the evening, and then I ended probably ten in the evening. And I remember sending a message to you, Leah, <laughs> about what to lo- what to write in the subject line. <laughs> yeah, and uh, interesting enough, this was this wasn't the original title, no. Privilege and pandemic. The original the original title was actually lock lockdown blues, but but I but uh, I believe. The title of "Privilege and Pandemic" is better, so I'd like to thank the editors of the Inqu- of Inquiry to you know to really take time to uh you know to uh think of what's best for the essay. And I'm happy. I'm grateful.
1: Yeah, and just going back to what you said that Rachel gave you the tips on how to get published, and she said something about writing the young blood way. I don't think there is a young blood way. In contrary, to your opinions i think the young blood way is your way be as personal as you can be be as honest be as vulnerable as you can be because i think the best essays that go out there not just on the column but specifically on the book that collects all the best essays are the ones that are the most truthful the most honest the most personal that no one else can write about and yeah, I think you did that very well. You included personal anecdotes, you included fun facts about science. So that's very interesting. Uh, and other essays that I've read are completely different from yours. There were some that were very self-contradicting, self-deprecating. There were some that were very serious, very righteous in a way. Um, so I don't think there is a young blood way, but there is a way and that way is your own way.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'd like to agree on that.
1: Anyway, last question. So you wrote about something that really felt directed to people who could help and those who need help. So what would be your message to our listeners who, like you, may be feeling this guilt for being privileged and still not being able to help everyone in a sense that really needs help?
0: I believe that by showing acts of kindness, you get to live a happier and fulfilled life. I know sometimes people get unmotivated to reach out, but we're currently experiencing tough times. And I believe that now's the perfect time to build bridges instead of towering walls. I don't want to impose uh, this sense of urgency. I just want people to open their hearts to the realities of life. And uh, to those people who, just like me, feel guilty because of having these privileges, why not use our privileges and resources as a means of providing others with privileges? It might not be that grand, might not be that uh, really uh, you know, life-changing, but uh, I think when we start from those simple or little acts, it could Uh, it would go a long way. And uh, I hope that uh, in the coming days, there would be more room for kindness and generosity and less room for apathy.
1: Thank you for that message. That was very beautifully said. I also want to add on to what you said, that you don't have to do something big. You don't have to do something life-changing. I think that makes a lot of sense. There's a research done, and a Harvard professor specifically said in a TED Talk, that what makes our life really worth living is the quality of our relationships. It's what determines our health. it's It's what determines our feeling of happiness and productivity. Because we're humans, you know, that's just the basic need that we have. We need to have our connections. We need to have this feeling of safety, feeling that we are loved and that we also are cared for. You don't need to help the poorest of the poor to be a good person. I think if you look within your family, you could help your mom with what she needs help with. Your siblings, your friends, reach out to them. Um, And so, yeah, I guess that's my advice for everyone as well and i just really want to add on to what you said so thank you again thank you for coming on today's episode i really appreciate your time and effort thanks for squeezing me into your schedule i had so much fun
0: this has been an amazing interview leah thank you for the opportunity to be featured here in the podcast thank you so much and god bless
1: Sir so Reba Aguirre, 23, is an English teacher at St. John's Institute Bacolod or Huaming. He is also an alumnus of the University of St. La Salle. Reba enjoys the little things in life letters from students, kind gestures, and sunsets. During quarantine, Reba started a personal blog on Facebook called A Heartbeat Away in the hopes of spreading love and validation in these trying times. I hope you could visit it if you have the time. For this episode, the Young Blood podcast has partnered with Negroscare, a local youth nonprofit organization committed to helping those severely impacted by COVID 19, specifically the frontliners who work at underfunded hospitals all over Negros Occidental. So, since March, this youth organization, founded by UP Diliman students Trisha Escordial and Johnnyville Ninoy, has been working hard in gathering donations using these donations to purchase PPEs and other medical grade equipment, and then donating these PPEs and medical grade equipment to workers in underfunded hospitals. So in line with this, we would like to ask if you are willing to help. If you have anything extra, we would appreciate it if you could go visit Negros Care on Facebook and on Twitter and checking out how you can help and donate to our less privileged fellowmen in these crazy times. Thank you and God bless. This has been the Young Blood Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have any suggestions as to which works to feature on our next episodes, please feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or to DM us on Instagram. We're also on other social media platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter, so if you want, please go ahead and give us a follow. We appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for supporting us since day one. You guys are the real heroes behind this podcast. So again, thank you very much. This has been Leah Angela Shoko. Till next time, keep safe and all the best.